when you can show up as yourself in all areas of your life, the light is going to shine right through you so brightly that people are going to start asking you what you're doing differently. And you're going to say, nothing at all. I'm finally being myself. Hi, I'm Michelle Rios, host of the Live Your Extraordinary Life podcast. This podcast is built on the premise that life is meant to be joyful, but far too often we settle for less. So if you've ever thought that something is missing from your life, that you were meant for more, or you simply want to experience more joy in the everyday, then this podcast is for you. Each week, I'll bring you captivating personal stories, transformative life lessons, and juicy conversations on living life to the fullest with the hope to inspire you to create a life you love on your terms with authenticity, purpose, and connection. Together, we'll explore what it means to live an extraordinary life, the things that hold us back, and the steps we all can take to start living our best lives. So come along for the journey. It's never too late to get started, and the world needs your light. As someone who writes about, talks about, and hosts a weekly podcast on the topic of living your extraordinary life, the two most frequent questions I get are, first, how did you become a spokesperson on living an extraordinary life? And second, what are the steps you recommend to others who want to start living their best lives? The short answer on how I became so passionate about this topic is due to the fact that I spent the vast majority of the first half of my life not living my best life. Sounds counterintuitive, I know. So let me provide some context. I was born the oldest of three children to extremely young teenage parents in a small town in rural Maine. We didn't have a lot of money, and our situation felt pretty unstable much of the time. But my parents had an incredible work ethic, which they instilled in me and my siblings at a very early age. It was made abundantly clear to me from the time I was about six that my role in the family was to excel and pave the way for my younger siblings. And I took on this role with a great sense of pride and responsibility and an understanding that failure was not an option. Now, I can't say with certainty that my parents ever used those exact words, but to my six-year-old mind, that's what I understood. And I started to carry a lot of weight on my shoulders, but I was not going to let anyone down. I worked relentlessly hard, always propelled by the fear of failure. And I was very successful. I share this not to boast, but to give you insight into the depth of my drive and focus on achievement. I got phenomenal grades, straight A's, except for perhaps once in Mrs. Brown's AP U.S. History class one quarter, and that B plus was highly subjective, in my opinion. I ended up graduating the top of my class in high school. I was accepted into a notable liberal arts college. I graduated Phi Beta Kappa, magna cum laude, all while double majoring and studying abroad. Summers were spent interning on the Hill. And months before I even graduated college, I was recruited into my first job, a professional consulting position in Washington, D.C., 
during a recession, and thus began my climb up the corporate ladder. I was soon thereafter awarded a prestigious ambassadorial scholarship to represent the U.S. in a year-long graduate program in Europe through Rotary International, which simultaneously kicked off my first foray into public speaking. Upon returning to Washington, D.C., I was awarded a full tuition scholarship for full-time graduate studies at Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service, Latin American Studies program, and business school, all while working full-time as one of the youngest communications directors ever in a global organization. I just kept climbing. I ran from graduate school to work to home and back again, barely stopping to breathe or eat or sleep. My weeks blended into the weekends, and I pretty much worked nonstop in my quest to succeed. I was going 150 miles per hour with no signs of stopping, except the occasional weekends out with friends dancing in Adams Morgan. I was, by all accounts, winning and collecting all the pieces on the chessboard of life. By the time I hit my mid-20s, I was a woman in her prime, climbing quickly to the top, successful by all traditional standards, until it hit me unexpectedly. I woke up one day exhausted, burned out, depressed, and feeling lost. I began to feel a desperate void, and that really threw me into a tailspin. My life seemed to lack meaning. I began to wonder if there was more to life and whether I had just missed the memo. Day by day, week by week, month by month, I found myself slipping deeper and deeper into depression. Until one day, I could barely pull myself out of bed. And when I did, I just stood staring out the 10th story window of my apartment, thinking, what a relief it would be if I just jumped. I was 26. It scared me to my core, and I knew I needed to get the hell out of that apartment immediately. So I grabbed my jacket, ran outside, and hopped on the 30 bus. For those unfamiliar, the 30 bus makes a loop through Georgetown, down Wisconsin Avenue, a left onto M Street, down along Pennsylvania Avenue by the White House, and back. And I rode that bus for hours, leaning up against the window, trying desperately to disappear as tears streamed down my face. About midway through my second loop through the city, the bus driver looked at me curiously, and I slid deeper into my seat and pressed myself further into the window. He seemed to know not to ask any questions. Near the end of the second loop, he finally looked at me again and asked if I had any plans to get off the bus or if I was just planning to ride all day. I knew at that point I needed to get off, but I was afraid to go home. So I closed my eyes and thought to myself, I surrender. And in that very moment, I looked up and seemingly from out of nowhere, a sign appeared right where the bus stopped, and it said, Community Mental Health Center. I got off the bus. And that day became a turning point, at which I dedicated myself to changing my entire approach to life. 
and thus began my decades-long personal development journey. I was bound and determined to have as much gusto as I spent achieving in the first half of my life, living well in the second half of my life. Now that's the Cliff Notes version. I am very happy to say that applying the lessons hard-learned during my life and the insights gleaned from my personal development journey, which is still to this day evolving, I live an extraordinarily joyful life, and I'm living a life I truly love, using so many of my gifts in writing and public speaking and connecting with people. I travel to download new and exciting experiences. I have a wonderful husband, thriving son, close relationship with my family, and an extremely strong network of loving friends that spans the globe. I am blessed beyond belief. And so now I'd like to answer the second most frequent question I get. How does one go about building an extraordinary life? What I'm about to share is what I have come to understand and call my five rules, aka the secret sauce, for living an extraordinary life. Number one, spend more time focusing inward. What do I mean by that? As a society, we place so much emphasis on the external, achievement, appearances, status, promotions. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with achieving, I'm a high achiever and I'm surrounded by other high achievers. When we focus all of our energy on everything and everyone outside of ourselves, we begin to lose ourselves. And happiness is elusive and at best fleeting. Our self-esteem and self-worth become linked to those external achievements in our status. We hand over our very power to other people when we seek their approval and validation. And we no longer trust ourselves, our own opinions, our gut instinct, or our own intuition. Spend time getting quiet and reflecting inward. When you do so, you wake up to who you really are a spiritual being having a human experience. And you realize that your self-worth is inherent in your being, not in your doing. To live an inspired life means to live in spirit. The more time we are connected to and nourish our spirit, the more inspired our lives become. Only by going within Can you find the happiness, the joy, and the peace that you seek in your life? And when you come to realize this, it's a game changer. Number two, identify what brings you joy. Why does this matter? Because when you know what brings you joy, you inevitably find your gifts. And when you know what your gifts are, embrace them, hone them and find ways to use them in the world. Your gifts hold the key to your purpose in this lifetime. People will often say that they don't know what brings them joy or what their gifts are. Not true. Don't buy into that lie. I promise you, if you get quiet and spend time really reflecting on what brings you joy, the answers will naturally come. Don't judge what comes up. Just let it flow from your heart. When you know what brings you joy, 
you have everything you need to start creating a life by design, not default. Number three, spend more time doing the things that bring you joy. Your very happiness depends on this. It's that simple. It's the happiness equation. Look at the gap between what brings you joy and how much time you spend doing it, and that will be a direct correlation to your level of happiness. The smaller the gap, the happier you are. The bigger the gap, the more unhappy you are. There is a direct correlation. Number four, embrace your most authentic self. What does that mean? There's a famous line from Hamlet, to thine own self be true. When your heart, mind, spirit, and actions are in alignment, you're going to move through the world with more peace and ease. When you are 100% yourself and you're in alignment with who you are at the core of your being, you start listening to and trusting your gut. Even when it seems counterculture, and when you can show up as yourself in all areas of your life, the light is going to shine right through you so brightly that people are going to start asking you what you're doing differently. And you're going to say, nothing at all. I'm finally being myself. And number five, live life from your highest vibration. Why? Because you do not attract what you want. You attract what you are. There are two primary emotions at work in the world today, fear and love. When you operate from a place of fear, you're living at your lowest vibration. Whether it's out of fear or self-doubt, pessimism, frustration, lack, ego, anger, or even insecurity, you attract exactly all of those things that you are resonating on. That frequency pulls in more of the same. When we live from a place of love and all things related, such as optimism, peace, hope, joy, possibility, and ease, you bring more of that to your life. Life inevitably is going to bring its challenges, frustrations, losses, and tragedies. But if we operate from a place of love, these things may rattle us, but they will not unravel us. If your North Star emotion is love, you can't help but live an extraordinary life. So live at the highest vibration. The choice is yours. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please take a moment to rate and review. If you have recommendations for future topics, please reach out to me at michellereosofficial.com. Lastly, please consider supporting this podcast by sharing it. Together we can reach, inspire, and positively impact more people. Thank you.